0: Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we come before you and ask that you would aid us in the study of your Word tonight. We ask that you would bless this time together and encourage us and strengthen us in your Word. And in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There we go. His faith, Habakkuk four, And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And I realize that We've been preaching about faith all year almost every Sunday morning, and I've never taken time to go through the four places in the Bible where that phrase is used. and so tonight we're going to just spend a little bit of time if you uh, again, a twofold purpose here. number one is we want to examine that phrase and what it means, what it means to us. Number two is... Just a little bit of instruction on how to study the Bible. Some of you remember uh, years ago I brought a little uh, Christian periodical into the pulpit and I said, you got to understand something, we are cutting edge. And and it was an article in a not-so-conservative Bible-believing perspective that said that the new thing in Christianity is for Christians to be self-feeders. And what they meant by that was for people to be able to read the Bible on their own and understand it at home. Now, excuse me, that's not new. If that's new to you, if that's a new revelation to you, you've been running with the wrong people. I mean, that's a Catholic thing. They've been teaching that only the priest and only the the church can understand the Bible. The Bible-believing people... Since the days of Jesus Christ have always taught that the Bible was meant for you to be understood. But how do you do that? One humorous little story happened this week. Little Jason was doing his devotions from the uh, children's church. They give them certain verses to read and... and. Uh, Mom was reading about, uh, they were reading to Jason about how that Pharaoh, being cruel to the children of Israel, took away their straw. And she goes, Jason, do you know what straw is? And he says, oh yeah, that's the long plastic things. Now isn't that a straw? So Pharaoh was being mean. No more straws anybody, it's all straight out of the can. No, No, no. But isn't that what a straw is? But that's not what Pharaoh did. He took the basic building material for the bricks away and made their work much more difficult. You see, we have to be careful as we understand God's Word. And we have to keep it into context. And one of the best ways, if you want to understand something in the Bible is start at the beginning and find out where this phrase is repeated and follow it through the Bible. So we have twofold tonight. One is to do that and learn, and the other is to give you the example so that we can still be cutting edge. And you can go home and and do this yourself. There's uh, a multitude uh, of helps out there. You can get computer programs. Uh, I think eSword is free for the, uh, if you have a pretend, you know, uh, IBM compatible type thing. And if you have a Mac, there's a thing called Online Bible uh, that's uh, the King James and Strong's Concordance is free. And you can chase those out or you can go to the bookstore. Uh, I think we still have a few Strong's Concordances. If we don't, we'll get them ordered for you. Uh, They're not very expensive. And you just... Go through the Bible and study every place and God will teach you some things as as we go through. Now, first place is mentioned is the verse that's on this side, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. So let's just go to the book of Habakkuk. How many of you knew there was a book in the Bible called Habakkuk? Uh, If you've been in Sunday school, we sing that song and we list all of those And uh, Isaiah, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. And then we get to Micah, Nahum, and Habakkuk. And Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, if we took time to do the whole thing, we could spend the whole night on, on just this passage, and that's not my intention. So, we're going to go over things uh, very quickly, and I would challenge you to read uh, these passages on your own and, and to uh, fill in all the, the different things. But what we have here is we have the Lord in His prophecy to Habakkuk giving a warning to uh, the people here that there are two different paths. There's a contrast here. You can be those, and, and talking about the king of Babylon in particular here, but you can be of those who has a soul which is lifted up. Now, How many people in our world today will tell you how smart they are? How many of you have somebody at work that uses every opportunity possible to explain how much smarter they are than you are? How many of you work with somebody like that? Now, the rest of you, I guess you don't work, right? Uh, Because there's always somebody like that at work. Now, isn't there? There's always somebody who thinks they know everything. Just look at our presidential candidates. Is there anything these two people do not claim to know how to fix? And one of these candidates has never, uh, with the exception of a very few years early in her career, has she ever worked a real job. It's all been public service. Now, you would think at 30 years of public service, she might have gotten a few of these things done that are so important. And this other guy, he's a quote unquote billionaire, but if he knew everything he said he does, why wouldn't he be a trillionaire? Hello? Does anybody ever ask these questions? I mean, it terrifies me. And the first mention of this, the just shall live by his faith, faith is in contrast to that very person whose soul is lifted up in them, who is not upright. Somebody said, what is your objection to Donald Trump? Uh, beauty pageants, casinos. Uh, does anybody know what goes on in these things? Is that good? Can anybody tell me one good thing that's ever happened in a casino? Wait a minute. It says, whose soul is lifted up is not upright in him. But, we're going to contrast this, but the just shall live by his faith. Years ago, when I was working with Brother Clayton, he'd send us out, and sometimes we would do what was called survey work. We would just be knocking on doors and and trying to survey an area to see about starting a church, and we had a little series of questions there that we asked, and... and uh, uh, what we were trying to do was get into conversations that where we could share the gospel and explain to people about the new church that was coming into town. And one of the questions was, do you, do you look for some coming worldwide catastrophe or do you think man is going to solve his own problems? Well, that's a fairly thought-provoking question, isn't it? And so we would ask that question and I'll tell you what, I was always expecting the doom and gloom. Yeah, something terrible is going to... You know, 90% of the people that we asked in Fargo, North Dakota in 1987, 90% of the people said, oh no, man's going to solve all the problems. We've got the cures. We're, we're going to take care of this thing. You see, the answer's got to come from one of two places. It either comes from this book or from inside of you. Now, I want to challenge you. The just says, I don't have the answers. Their soul is not lifted up. Somebody said, you're a pessimist. No, I'm not. I've read the book. And you know what? It tells me a lot of bad things are going to happen. I'm very positive about that. Because I believe this book is 100% accurate. Amen? And if somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters of the world's population dying in less than seven years isn't catastrophic, then I would challenge you to go home and get a dictionary. Because that's what's going to happen during the tribulation period. Now, if I understand my Bible correctly, I'm not going to be here for that. And I'm looking forward to getting out of here. How about you? And yet... I'm not discouraged. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have failed in your service for Christ since Sunday? How many of you have sinned since Sunday? Now, if you didn't put your hand up, I guess you were in a coma, right? In a vegetative state or something like that? Because that is the human propensity is to sin. We're not proud about that. And we certainly aren't going to use it as an excuse to go out and do horrendous things. But you see, people have accused us as Bible believers of trying to live a perfect life. And you know what? That is what we call a straw man argument. It's just a way to criticize the Bible and justify acts that are against God. Are we still together here? It's just a way. You see, we try to live for Christ, and what do we do? We fail. Now, if you go to school and do that, what happens? What happens? You have to repeat the grade, don't you? You don't get the diploma. You have to eventually get enough points on your test or they don't let you out of school. Unless it's New York City public schools, then they graduate you socially. Excuse me, I wasn't supposed to say that, now was I? But that's what happens. Now, why aren't we all discouraged, and why don't we just quit? Because no matter how hard we try, we never become perfect in this life. What does the Bible say? Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap, if we faint not. You see, I don't believe I'm getting better and better. But if I'll draw closer to Jesus, He'll make my life better. Every good blessing that comes in life has come to me through obedience to the words of this book. But praise God, my salvation is not dependent upon my ability not to sin, it's dependent upon Jesus' ability to pay for all sins. Can we say amen to that? And so we see an incredible contrast here. We see the person whose spirit is lifted up. And it's not upright. I mean, if we go on and read through this passage, we'll find out that... Uh, uh, that in verse uh, four, behold his soul which is lifted up is not. I mean, sorry, five, yea also because he transgresseth by wine, he is a proud man, neither keepeth at home who enlargeth his desireth hell and is as death and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations and heapeth unto him all people. Now this was talking directly about Nebuchadnezzar. But I'll tell you what, if you wanted to apply it to the uh, philosophy of ministry of the United States State Department for the last 30 years, it fits perfectly. They're going to solve all the world's problems. They're going to give everybody birth control and abortion on demand and, and teach them how to do yoga. Wasn't that what she took into Africa? Uh, was... Uh, we knew some people that were with the diplomatic corps and and of course they weren 't saved and uh, One of the primary things was hundreds of pairs of yoga slacks for African women so that they could learn how to do yoga and solve all the world 's problems. Wonder if that goes with a burqa i don 't know somehow I think there 's a problem with that there don 't you uh, You see. Here's the first one. It's a comparison. It's a contrast. You've got to make a choice. You either got to stop looking into you and start trusting in the words of God, or you're going to be in big trouble. And that's why it talks about the just shall live by his faith. You can't live by anybody else's faith. It's got to be yours. You must personally learn to make decisions based upon the words of this book. And don't you dare tell me, well, pastor, that's your interpretation. Because if it belongs to me, it's not true. It doesn't belong to me. It's simply what the Bible says. And if you follow what the Bible says, as we have found out, I would hope, uh, I, one of the things I was trying to bring out in, in the last series, Searching for the True Church, that if you will just simply go through the Bible You will, by the words of the Bible, eliminate 99% of what calls itself religion, of what calls itself Christianity, is eliminated because it doesn't agree with what's in this book called the Bible. And I've had people say, Well, how, how do you, as an independent Baptist, claim that you're the only ones? No, I don't claim I'm the only one. But what I'm saying is, if Jesus started a church, and the Bible says he did, and if the church believes what Jesus taught, and Jesus' church ought to believe what Jesus taught, amen? Has anybody got a problem with that? Well, then where else are you going to find it? No other group has the history. No other group has the doctrine. That's why I stopped pretending and I became a Baptist. I was raised in a church that was like a Baptist church. And when I met the Baptists and went to a Baptist college, I thought, well, they're almost like I am. But then I began to understand that the history of the church I was in only went back about 30 years. That doesn't qualify. You have to have the Bible. And so, what we find in this first one, there is a choice to be made. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And again, we're just doing a summary here. we got three more passages, and I, I hope we can do this tonight. Romans chapter 1, verse 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For therein... Now, what is it therein? Well, read verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God... Unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein, therein is talking about the gospel of Christ. And it says, in the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed. How? From faith to faith. Now, that little phrase there, from faith to faith, Boy, I'll tell you what, if you get twenty commentaries, you're going to have thirty different understandings of that phrase. Because for some reason, to most people, that's very complicated from faith to faith. Can can I challenge you? Can I simplify this? It takes what to make money? Who wants to fill it in? It takes it takes money to make money, doesn't it? Now is that statement true? Absolutely. It takes money to make money. And we get confused with from faith to faith. Do you get it yet? You see, if you're going to get faith, you have to have faith. And faith was never, ever meant to be stagnant. It was always meant to grow. You see, you've got to make a choice in the book of Habakkuk. When we get to Romans, God is going to show us, He is showing us the program Of how faith works in our life. The just shall live by faith. If you're going to get saved, then you become just. Why? Because you're so good? No, because Jesus is so good. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. You become justified in God's sight because you stopped choosing what was inside of you. You stopped allowing your soul to be lifted up and unupright, upright You judged yourself a sinner and God holy. And you asked Him to save you. Now there's a program. Now there's a process. I am so glad to tell you that salvation is an event. But living for Christ... Is a process. You see, saving faith grows into living faith. Amen? And living faith one day will be transposed or stepped up to dying faith or faith that will walk you through the valley of the shadow of death. And then you won't need faith anymore. Because you're going to see the object of your faith for all eternity. Amen? The just is going to live by faith. That's why the rest of this chapter is devoted to what happens when we turn away from faith. And what is the first thing? The first step in turning from the path of faith, through living by faith, is to be unthankful. Now, I'll tell you what. I have a problem being thankful for certain things. When I got that email from Landmarks, I did not feel very thankful. Because I'm going, you people are just playing games I sent the email to you while you were on vacation. I sent it to your supervisor who was there, who looked at it and said, you need to look at it. And now you say your supervisor needs to look at it. And she already had it. Oh, I don't want to be thankful. I want to be angry. How many of you are on my side? Sinners. (laughs) You see, unless we stop, and recognize that God is in control. We're not walking by faith, are we? See, there's a process. God sometimes asks us to go through incredibly adverse circumstance. Because... He wants our faith to grow. And it won't grow unless we learn to walk by faith. The next verse says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Don't be astounded that our politicians are not paragons of virtue. If we had all righteous people running this government, America would be no different than it is today, for the people of this country are degenerated. And if you want to straighten things out, Draw a circle. Step inside and get things right between you and God there first. This country would change. If every believer in Jesus Christ would simply start walking by faith. It would change this country. Couldn't help it. We wouldn't have the candidates that we have. But you see, too many Christians, quote unquote, are not walking by faith. Because they're not looking to the word of God to make decisions. They're looking to their own selves. They're looking to their bank accounts. They're looking to uh, solve the problems. I, I will tell you that one of the reasons I believe God gave us so many children is just simply so that we can look at people and say, yeah, ridiculous? We got past that after the third one. It's crazy? Oh, no, no, that was number six or seven. Uh, Insane, number ten. I I don't know what you call twelve in New York City. Except... We decided we would walk by faith, and that's what the Lord did. And He's made us a spectacle. And that's what Paul said. He said, we're made spectacles. And we're looking forward to some other spectacles. Amen? Because we want to live by faith. We want to walk. And that doesn't mean if you don't have 12 children, you don't have faith. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm just talking about my path. You've got to walk by faith. What does faith may be? Being single. Faith may be getting to live somewhere in the country. Brother Rich said, "Do you just love living in New York City?" I said, "No." I can think, If I lived wherever I wanted to live, it'd be in the wilderness. I like Daniel Boone. He said, I can see the smoke from my neighbor's chimney. We're getting crowded. Now, that's where I would be. But how effective would I be as a minister living there? Absolutely worthless. So, I love where I am because God put me here. You see, you've got to make a choice, and God will give you faith. And if you want to just see what God does to people who don't live by faith, I I don't really recommend this. I think you know what is in People magazine. How many people know what's in People magazine? Filth, garbage, degradation, all of that trash. Why? Why? Why they have wrinkles at 40 years old and uh, look like an old person. And I, You know what? I want white hair. Because people have to listen to you when you have white hair. You know, there, there's just... You've got to understand something. You want to see God's wrath? Revealed in the lives of people who don't walk by faith, pick up the newspaper and read it. People didn't used to live this way. And you don't have to live that way. You see, there's a process and we need to work through that process. Galatians chapter 3, number 3 here. Faith to faith. Your faith needs to grow. It needs to be moving you. Verse 11 of chapter 3 of the book of Galatians. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Listen. Listen. Read, read with me verse 10. For as many are of the works of law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You wonder why so many Christians are so unhappy today? Is because they think Christianity is a list of do's and don'ts. They don't necessarily keep the law of God. Because they can't. But they make their own law. That's what we call Phariseeism. It's what we call hypocrisy. Because no man has ever yet made his own law that he can keep. Are we together still? You see, this idea that the just shall live by faith is not... That you can meet your own standards. It's that Jesus Christ has made me able to meet God's standards. And you know what that does to me? It's not about me and what I can do, it's not about who I am and what people do to me. It's about Jesus Christ and what he's done if you'll start living life that way the things that bother you won't bother you anymore Uh, I'm working on it I want this verse to apply when I drive on the Grand Central Parkway Amen I don't mind if you want to go out and kill yourself in a car be my guest just don't do it close to me Uh, I teach my kids as they get to driving age, do not put your safety in someone else's hands. You shouldn't be doing something that is dependent on what someone else does. I mean, that's a good rule for driving. Guess what? Those guys that go, they are depending on me to slam on the brakes. Because if I don't, they're going to die. i very fortunate for them. I love low insurance premiums and my family and whoever else is traveling in the church van enough to honor their idiotic requests. But you know something? I want my faith to keep my blood pressure down. And I'm working on that. How many say, preacher, I'm with you on that one. That's for sure, yeah. Uh, But you see, if I am trying to... I'm going to suppress my anger. Liar! That's why the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Now, don't run the guy over. Road rage is not Christian it's understanding that their idiocy doesn't have to ruin my joy. Amen? You see, when it's not about me anymore, it's harder for people to offend me. You know why David killed Goliath? You know, that... That giant called David every dirty name in the book. But David wasn't worried about that. He said, you defied the God of Israel. You've cursed God. And my God is big enough to give me the victory over your dirty mouth and your wicked heart. And David won, didn't he? How many of you believe David won the battle against Goliath by faith? Was he walking by faith? Yep. And the reason it worked is because it wasn't about David. It was about God. It wasn't even about Goliath. Goliath was just a reflection of an attitude toward God that David wanted to remedy. And we still talk about David and Goliath. Amen? Amen? We got one more. Now, this is a long one, but got six minutes and I think I can get it done. Hebrews chapter 10. And if you've been around the church, you know I love the book of Hebrews. It is God's switchboard. He puts everything together. If you want to understand your Bible, spend some time in the book of Hebrews, but don't do it with a commentary because you'll get messed up. I have yet to find... A really good commentary on the book of Hebrews. I mean, there'll be different ones that have different places, but I'll tell you the best commentary on the book of Hebrews is just making the connections that it makes in this book. Now, let's get back to the subject. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. All the way down at the end of the chapter, it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, My soul shall have no pleasure in Him, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now, a lot of people, they get to this passage here, and they say, see there? You you can have faith in God and draw back unto perdition and lose your salvation. Is that what that verse says? Absolutely not. You see, the problem is, There are people who don't believe all the way. They want to try God. They want to take an opportunity to cash in on some of the blessings that comes from the Christian life. Men, would it be a shock to you that a Christian wife who lived according to the Bible would be a much better wife than one who visits the bars on Friday nights and goes to the dances and the clubs? How many guys would have a problem with that? That marrying a wife who honors God and the things in the Bible would be a better and more faithful wife to you than one who goes to the clubs and the bars? Would there be anybody that would want to stand up and argue that point? You see, there are people who want to reap the blessings of Christianity, but they don't want Christianity. I can give you names and places of people who've brought people to this church. I remember one in particular. This person brought a friend of theirs. It was dear to them. They were thinking about getting married. And he said, listen, I I know... If I bring them, and this was the testimony, I knew if I brought them to this church, you'd tell them how to be saved. Okay, well, that's good. But we're not going to stop living together. Oh, wait a minute, that's bad. Uh, How in the world are you going to tell this person you claim to love that believing in Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, and yet you are living against Him with everything in your life. How do you do that? Well, that's who this verse is talking about. You see, there are a lot of people that believe enough of God's Word to get a few good things, but they don't want God's Word to mess up their life how many of you have met somebody like that you know what the bible says they are drawing back into perdition the word perdition is talking about damnation eternal loss You see, there are some things that God has kept giving you that if you are just, if you're walking by faith, you're going to take advantage of these things. And we're going to do this very quickly. Number one, let's go to verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus has made a new and living way to God. It is through the cross. And if you don't get, go there, you're not saved. If you're not saved, You can believe about Jesus all you want. How many people go to church and they have big crosses all over the place and crucifixes everywhere and little icons that cry in the night and all of these things that they have, but they don't have faith in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Because they go to church every day, every week, all their life, so that someday they might be good enough to get salvation when Jesus already said it is finished. Amen? You see, then the next thing He's he's given us our salvation, He tells us to hold fast to that profession without wavering because He's faithful. People doubt their salvation for one of two reasons. One is they've allowed sin into their life. And it clouds their ability to believe in God. The other is because they really don't believe in God. That's why people doubt their salvation. I'm holding fast to my profession, not because I'm such a good prayer, not because of anything other than the goodness of Jesus Christ and the fact that He paid the price for me. It's He that has saved me. That's my profession, that is my salvation. But He's given us a fellowship. Verse 24, And let us consider one another. Do you know what? It's easier to serve the Lord with someone than it is to by yourself. And we don't have time to explain long-ranger Christians, but the world is full of them. They're going to ride in the town solve everybody's problems. Those are not real Christians. Those are the perdition ones. A real Christian understands there's a thing called the church. And that they have a part in that church. That's why it says, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. That's in the next few verses. And it tells us that we are to be together to provoke one another to love and to good works. Verse 26 says, for if we sin willfully... And there's a lot of people that try to make this lose your salvation. Let me tell you something. If you claim to be saved and you care less about the church that Jesus died for, you better find out what kind of salvation you have because it just might not be Bible. You don't get saved because of the church. You have to get saved so you can join the church. But if Jesus did the saving, then why or how in the world can you ignore his church? That's what this verse means. For if we sin willfully, if you can take your salvation and cast it aside, the profession of faith that is based upon the words of this book, you're not saved, my friend. If you can just ignore what the Bible says about baptism what the Bible says about church fellowship, if you don't care about other people and being involved in the church of Jesus Christ, this, that's what that passage is talking about. You don't get to choose what part of God's salvation you want. You either get it all or you don't get it. And if you get it all, it's going to drive you to a Bible-believing church, even if the pastor is a nut. Amen? But as long as he preaches this book called the Bible, you've got to follow it. You see, we get down toward the end of this chapter, and it says, verse 35, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of, what's that next word there, verse 36? Patience. Wait a minute, when do you get patience? That after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. You know what, God's not going to give you patience until after you obey. It's not, let's make a deal like Jacob did. God, if you'll do everything I ask you to do, I'll let you be my God. God was really impressed. Now, he knew he was going to get a hold of Jacob's heart. It was just going to take a long time. Way too long. Jacob was the most miserable of all the patriarchs. Because he lived his life his way. Until finally, they took Benjamin to Egypt and he said, Okay, if I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. I give up. That's when he got to see Joseph again, wasn't it? You see, there was a fellow that made a statement several years ago when this supposed archaeological find of the tomb of Jesus. How many of you remember that foolishness? They wanted to release it on Easter, because they were going to shake up the faith of the Christians. And this one idiot of a preacher, and I'm sorry, I'm using that term medically. That's someone with an IQ below 60. Uh, that someone who does not understand a moron is below 30. You can look it up in the medical books. It's there. And maybe we should use that other word, moron. But he said, even if they found the tomb of Jesus, it wouldn't affect my faith. Well, that's because you don't have faith. You see, my faith tells me we know where the tomb of Jesus is and it's empty. And if you find something that you think is Jesus' tomb and it's got bones in it, it's not Jesus' tomb. Well, it's not my Jesus' tomb. It's not the Jesus that's talked about in this book called the Bible. You see, I don't need archaeology to prove the Bible. But I'll tell you what, all true archaeology agrees with this book. I don't need science to prove the Bible. I don't need science to prove creation. I don't believe in teaching intelligent design as a stepping stone to faith in God. I'll tell you what, if you can get your sin problems straightened out first, you won't have any problems believing in creation. Could we say amen to that? You see, we've got to start at the right place. It's faith in God. And if you have faith in God for the saving of your soul, everything else is taken care of, isn't it? I don't care how many books Mr. Brown writes. I could explain how stupid his scholarship is and how foolish his writing is and how electic uh, he is in his finding of quote-unquote facts and how... But why? There's... So much blasphemy in his books against the God of this book that I'm not even going to pick it up to do a synopsis of it. Because I want to take my time to learn how to live by faith. You see, faith cometh by and hearing by, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. And Lord, we ask that as we've looked at these verses, that you would bring some truths home to us. That living by faith is our only alternative. And Lord, that you want us to grow. And that faith never, ever fails. Lord, when we get so upset with ourselves for our foolishness and our weakness, Lord, take us back to Galatians chapter 3 and just remind us it's not about us, it's about you. Lord, I ask that you would give us a greater desire to live by our personal faith in your words today, tonight, tomorrow, and every day till Jesus comes back. Before we finish that prayer, we'll just have the piano play. Keep your heads bowed. If you need to just slip out and spend a few moments, the altar's open. We won't be long tonight, but if you need...